Good morning, Pat. Hey, good morning, Isaac. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Big news at the top of the day for us and this week, obviously, I'm sure it, you know, is probably international headlines, but this, uh, this podcast, which has a listening audience of, uh, just a few people, uh, gained a listener in Italy. That's right. Someone in Italy was listening. How do you feel about that? Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I love, I, well, I love Italian food, so they, they must be an amazing person. <laughs> yeah. That's, that totally makes sense to me that because you and, and me personally, we love Italian food, uh, that whoever listened to us in Italy must be an awesome person. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you were up uh, digging yourself out of snow at the house today. What, what do you got there for snow in Alaska? Oh, it's just been crazy um, over two feet of snow, and it's still snowing hard in the last 12 hours. Um, oh, I feel God. like every year the winter – uh, now just says to the winter before, oh yeah, you think that was bad? I'll I'll one up you because we've this has been crazy. Like earlier than last winter, we've already had way more snow, so it's uh, it's insane. Wow. So let me ask you this then: when the snow starts falling and you've got to dig out your driveway, what is your mm-hmm. favorite excuse for not going out there to do it? Um. My favorite excuse would be that, uh, you know, it's just going to snow more. I think that's the one everybody uses, so why bother? Yeah, it's going to keep falling. Why go out and fix it, right? Exactly. I totally get that. Uh, It's going to lead us into our show today, and we want to welcome everybody else to take the word for it. Uh, Pat Lynn and Isaac Johnson, we're glad you're here with us today. Uh, and today we're actually talking about excuses. The title, if you're going to title, you can even call it just no more excuses. And, um, you know, I know that I certainly have a lifetime full of excuses for why I've not finished things. Um, one of my personal favorites that you and I have talked about for years now is the book that I have been working on for ever. Um, mm-hmm. literally, and, and on my website, it still says that I'm working on the book, which, which I have seasons where I work on it hard and then seasons where I don't touch it at all. Um, but I really don't have a good excuse for why I've not finished it. So, um, you know, people love to make excuses for things, excuses for, you know, uh, not being able to be disciplined in life, excuses for not following through with things, excuses for uh, all all kinds of different deals, you know, why why you haven't dealt with something, why were you you were late, you know, all of them. Um, Isaac, what do you think about what what does God think about excuses? Well, we know that He is uh, definitely against them. When you look at different passages in the Bible, uh, Luke uh, chapter fourteen, sixteen through twenty four, there's a parable there. The way He deals with Moses. Um, our Adam, you know, who just wants to throw his wife under the bus after, you know, getting exposed, you know, this woman, and then the, the, then Eve goes, same thing to, to Satan, well, this snake, you know, so it's like passing the buck, and then God just gets um, enraged, and almost every time that you see a, a situation in the Bible, God's response to our excuses is it says he got angry, or it's almost in some translations, furious. Wow. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I really think you could actually think about this in two different contexts uh, as, as you're just saying those things. And I'll read through those passages you mentioned in, in just a moment. But, um, 
you could think of this. I know a lot of people who give their life to Christ at a certain point, right? And they, they come to Jesus, they, um, they start, you know, reading the word of God, the, the Holy Spirit starts in, you know, is indwelled inside of them. They're learning, they're growing, you know, and then, um, that all is great and wonderful. And it kind of seems like it's great and wonderful until God actually calls you to do something, you know, like to step out in faith. Uh, for instance, uh, as, as a minister of the gospel, which, which all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel, whether or not you are, um, you know, a vocational minister of the gospel or you are a stay at home mom with kids, you're still called to share the gospel with those that are around you in your circle, those that you connect with, those that you know. And so, um, once you know the word, that's, that's what we're called to do. But many Christians, I feel like have a very hard time and a pretty common excuse. You know, there's some pretty common excuses around um, stepping out into a ministry role like leading a Bible study or um, doing something at an outreach or helping at the church in some capacity. You know, even even things that, you know, uh, some people might consider small, so, someone who's afraid of doing that, they might see it as a huge thing. And I think there's a big fear um, around being able to step out in faith and say, here I am, I'm serving the Lord publicly. You can see me do this, you know, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. do, do, do you think that's a common problem for people who are, who are trying to grow in their faith? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, because, of course, Satan doesn't want us to, and he's going to help us, you know, whisper in our ear reasons why we can't do this, why we can't do that. And you look, uh, uh, some of the basic ones that people say is, well, uh, I don't know anything about the Bible, so I can't tell people about Jesus, you know, or I, you know, I, I would look weird. I don't want to, I don't want to make somebody uncomfortable, you know? So it's, it's like we come up with all these reasons or my life is just too messed up. I have made too many mistakes. And so there's that excuse of shame. And, and again, it just makes us, we're, we're, we're saved, but we're not very effective. And we're not taking that many people to heaven with us. Uh, matter of fact, one of the one of the passages that I frequently teach when I go share at uh, churches or schools is in Mark chapter five, and it's about Jairus who has a daughter that is um, that is dying. And uh, and in the in the middle of the story, if you read through, it's towards the end of the chapter. Um, it says that Jairus, who's a synagogue ruler, goes to Jesus and tells him that his daughter's dying. And, and then it says that Jesus went with him. And as they're going along, this woman who has an issue of bleeding comes and she touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed instantly. And, um, and, and, and then they continue through the story. Uh, and eventually they've traveled to Jairus' house. And Jesus goes in. Everyone says, your daughter has died. You know, before they get in, people come and tell him that his daughter has died. And don't bother Jesus anymore. He doesn't need to come to your house. And they get there and people are weeping. And Jesus goes in and raises her from the dead and says, hey, give this girl something to eat. You know, because clearly people are going to be hungry when they've just died um, and Mm -hmm. been resurrected. But uh, the, the thing that caught me the other day, I've taught this passage for a decade probably since since breaking my neck and going in because it shows healing in different ways. The thing that always got me with it was, hey, this woman with the bleeding, she's been an outcast for years. She's had this trial to go through. Like, why why didn't, you know, Jesus just heals her instantly, but this father has to walk with Jesus. Jesus could have just said, your daughter's healed, go home. She's she's up and fine. 
but he, he deliberately walks with the father. And I think the reason he walks with him is because that's the father's trial. And in order to not saying we can earn miracles or make something happen, but God frequently calls us to step out in faith before he's going to provide for us. So people, you know, the, the idea that obedience to the Lord comes before his blessing. And so people <laughs> will frequently, you know, ask God for, for healing or for provision or for different things. And then on the other end, when God says, Hey, I want you to step out and do this. I want you to test, you know, testify about this, or I want you to just, just help or just come out of your comfort zone just a little bit. People are hesitant. And, and so I wondered, where's the, where is the trial for this, this man walking? And then I realized the other day, wait a minute, the trial is his walk because he works at the synagogue. He's a religious leader and religious leaders, don't like Jesus. They're planning to murder Jesus. He certainly right. knows the whispers behind, but he's he has to step out in faith, and God made him walk publicly with him, you know, be seen by the public, out in the public with me, not like uh, when Nicodemus came to him at night and asked him these questions, and Jesus said, you have to be reborn. No, this guy had to walk out in the daylight where people would see him with Jesus, and, and he, put, he has to put, ev- he has to risk everything, he has to put it all out there on the table, for the community to see. And, and I, I think sometimes we want God to provide for us uh, and not come through on the other side, you know, not, not do the steps that it takes to be obedient ahead of time. And, and then when we've not done those things, here come some excuses. So um, let me read a couple of these passages for you, uh, just, just so people have an understanding of where we're at. Uh, Luke fourteen sixteen through 24, <clears throat> Jesus tells this parable. It says, then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come to your banquet. So the servant came back and reported these things to the master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who are invited will enjoy my banquet. This is in a passage right here where Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God and what it's like. And, and, and trying to show that the Father has provided for people, but people are turning their backs on him. Those who have mm-hmm. turn their back on him and say, hey, I, yeah, I, I don't need you right now, or I've got all this going on and going on, and, and it's too Im, Im, important for me to do those things rather than do what you've asked. Um, I think this is a pretty common for, thing for people as well. Does this, were, were people just don't value what God has for them over what they can see with their eyes. And this is where God might ask us to step out in faith. So um, what about a great leader in the Bible, you might say? And you had mentioned Moses in Exodus 4, 
10, right? And certainly Moses didn't make the excuses, but if you know the story of Moses, you know that he did, that God had come to him and said, hey, Moses, uh, I want you to lead my people out of Israel. And Moses says to him this, he says, says, but Moses replied, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Moses has an excuse after that. He says, please, Lord, send someone else. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on his way to meet with you. He will rejoice when he sees you, and the Lord sends Aaron the Levite with him. So the question then becomes, if we know that God hates our excuses, which clearly from the last passage he does, and it's funny how he you know fumes with anger with Moses there and the people in our lives get tired of hearing excuses Isaac uh why do we like giving them so much well I think the main reason is is just we fear the consequences of ownership you look Mm -hmm. in in the Bible the the Jews if they if they accept Jesus they accept everything that comes with that um, and that's the same for us, or, or if we accept anything in our life that um, God is asking us to take ownership of, it could be a job, a family, uh, our kids, then we have to accept all that goes with that. And, um, and I think that's the part where we just, we, we, we'd rather be renters in that scenario. So it's, it's that fear of the consequences of ownership that motivates us to make excuses and, and then, you know, then it's easy to just kind of pick and choose what we want to do and what we don't want to do. When do you think people start making excuses? Why do we, why do we, why do we, why does that process start? Because it seems to me like once someone gets in the habit of doing that, it becomes easier to do it. So when does that process start for people really? Oh, I'd say at birth, um, you know, we don't teach our children how to make excuses. They, they, you know, it's like you got two kids and you come in and you, you, you visibly see them doing something wrong and they both deny it and tell you, yeah. I didn't do it or the dog did it or whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's just innate in us to want to deflect responsibility away from ourselves. Sure. Sure. And we will move away from pain as quickly as possible. It's a great motivator, mm-hmm. right? So if you know that pain is coming because you've made, you know, you did something wrong, you're going to make an excuse. So let me ask you this question then. How do, you know, and maybe you can talk on, on, on any end of this, but how do excuses negatively impact us, you know, from a whole perspective? Well, there's several reasons. We won't go through a ton of them, but just just a few. I think the first one that comes to mind is excuses just stunt our maturity. You know, so the moment we start, it's, you know, because excuses are just a nice way of blame shifting, moving responsibility away from us to something or someone else. And the moment we start doing that, now we are stuck uh, in our maturity because now we're waiting for that circumstance or that person to change in order for us to move forward. You know, so if I say, oh, you know, I I would have been more helpful around the house if my wife was more appreciative, 
Well, now I'm waiting for her to be appreciative in order for me to be more helpful. When God is saying, no, your job is to serve and be a, a good husband regardless of if she does her part. But we kind of have this contingency plan a lot of times where one, if you do your part, then I'll do mine. Well, the problem is we're stuck in that moment. Our emotional maturity is just stuck. And so I think that is something we want to realize. I don't want to be codependent you know, on any situation or any relationship, but that's what excuses just unintentionally makes me. Um, and then another thing that excuses do is it makes us comfortable with lying because at the, at the core of every excuse is some element of truth that has been stretched or completely ignored. You know? And we say things like, for a great example is, is oh, I, I meant to call you back. But, you know, I ran out of time or I just didn't get time to do it. We'll say that a lot of times, but we had time to watch three of our favorite episodes on TV or, you know, stare <laughs> into space or anything. What we really don't want to say is I, I didn't want to call you back or I forgot. You know, that's the honest truth. But the truth doesn't feel as nice in that moment. And so we, again, so excuses get us comfortable with lying. And you see a lot of people who struggle with addiction will have spent years using lying and excuses to cover the truth about their addiction. And what we all do that in some way, shape, or form. And then another thing that excuses do is they fuel procrastination, uh, you know, because if I say, you know, procrastination is kind of like there's a reward to it. If I let the energy build and build and build, I keep putting it off, putting it off, the angst of that finally builds to the point where I have to do it at the last minute, but I get it done. And so I let the the build-up energy motivate me to get it done, but I usually do a pretty bad job. And I use excuses to fuel procrastination because I have to say things like, oh, I'll do this other thing first, or I can't do it until, you know, so we come up with all these reasons why we have to put something off, and then it just creates procrastination. And And research shows that nobody, you know, who procrastinates regularly is is, you know, those people who think, oh, I do my best work at the last second. That's not true. You know? right. And so it gives us that myth then of, of believing that we can just kind of like, oh, you know, in, in college, you've probably been there. I know I was where it's like, oh, I write my best papers at three in the morning when they're due at five. You know? yeah. No, no, you just write a paper at three in the morning because you have no choice. Uh, that certainly wasn't your best. And then I think especially with excuses in our witness, you know, excuses just hinder our witness when we allow the enemy to convince us of things like, oh, I need to know more about the Bible. But I don't remember any part in the Bible where somebody gets radically saved and they go to seminary first. Right now. They know they it says immediately they go and tell people what Jesus did for them. You know, that's all we need to do is just tell people our story. We don't need, to, but we come up with all these reasons why we can't, you know. And yeah, so, as a matter of fact, to, to back you on that piece right there, statistics show that easily the most effective evangelists are those who met Jesus, because at, at that point in time, you're, you're so on fire for what you've just learned, and who are you friends with? You're people who, you're friends with people who don't know Jesus. So if you've just come to the Lord, now's the time to share what the Lord is doing in your life with those around you who need his His love and his grace. Procrastination is your enemy, right? Step mm-hmm. in and, and about the grace that you received and, and the hope that it's brought you. And so, I, man, I think that is a fantastic point. Excuse me, I had a slight air thing going on there. I apologize, but um, but very, very true. Um, 
Wow. Any any other effects from from excuses that we probably don't want to live with? Well, I just think at the very core of it all, excuses just kill our confidence, you know, because confidence is generated by our ability to step out, to be uncomfortable, to take risks. And, uh, you know, excuses just say things like, oh, I know I need to serve more at church or, or in my community, but, you know, it's just so uncomfortable. Or, or I would have stayed on my diet, but the holidays threw me off, as if, like, somehow Thanksgiving has this, this evil empire that just constantly, you, like, you're, you're a pawn in its hands. Um, right. So I, I like the saying, you know, somebody said, you know, God hates big butts and he cannot lie. So maybe Sir Mix a lot there. But, you know, we say this a lot of times. I would, but, and what you're right. really saying is, is I'm willing to accept the minimum. And that just kills my confidence, confidence in my faith, confidence in my relationships. You see so many people who are afraid to step out and come up with all kinds of excuses why they can't. And then that's as far as they'll ever go. Yep. And it's, it's unfortunate. Well, a couple of just pieces on there. You know, someone was saying, hey, you know what? I've, I've got this habit of making excuses. And I know this has certainly been an issue for me. If, if they handed out master's degrees for procrastinating, I'd have a doctorate. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I mean, that's, that's just story of my life. Uh, and I, I need to, you know... Um, hinge that, but it, it seems to me that the two best things for someone, you know, the Bible, the Bible says um, that a fool despises wisdom and discipline, right? And so I'm thinking of the proverb off the top of my head right now. It might even be proverb one, but um, just the idea uh, of of being disciplined in what what you do. So setting up a time or schedule to get something done, saying, hey, you know what, I'm I'm going to do this. And then secondly, there has to be accountability in your life, and um, and you know, you'd say, "Hey, I'm the head of my household," you know, or or whatever. And there's 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 no accountability. Well, get get an accountability partner for for things that you've been making excuses about, or you know, if that's not worked out with your wife, then then certainly you know find someone who who you can do a Bible study worth kind of deal, uh, or or possibly a mentor that can speak in your life and say, "Hey, um, you know, let's get this thing done that you've been talking about." People need discipline and they need accountability. We do at all levels. Uh, including people at the highest levels. And that's why, uh, you know, people in the highest levels always have um, people around them to help them get things done. That's just how it works. So um, I totally appreciate that. I think you had a pretty good thought on here, just a concluding thought. And it was really a question about procrastinating. What, what was that, Isaac? I'll let you close this up with that. Well, I, I just think sometimes we when we find ourselves wanting to give an excuse about any situation, we want to ask ourselves, would God accept it? Mm-hmm. You know, and if he wouldn't, then we shouldn't. You know? okay. So I, I've worked with hundreds of people over the years in counseling and the people who constantly keep giving excuses make little to no progress. And so I just yeah. think, you know, that's one of the things that's really challenged me is, is every time I find myself wanting to make an excuse, I have to go. Just like getting up and going out and, and shoveling snow today is like, I don't want to. But would God accept that excuse? Is that honoring to my wife who needs to get out of the driveway or, or you know, whatever the situation might be? And so, I, you know, there are excuses God will accept. There are reasons, actual reasons, but they're very few. And so I think we need to filter it through that. That's awesome. This has been uh, Take the Word for It with Pat and Isaac. 
Hope you have a fantastic week. Isaac, thanks for being with us today. Everybody be blessed.